Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole.
stand, please, and sing Heavenly Sunshine. Glad to see so many here today on the broadcast of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. We're going to have a wonderful time of fellowship. And now as you sing through the first time, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. All together, lift it up. Heavenly Turn right around, shake hands. love to be here, many of them today listening in. You sing it especially for the servicemen and for the homes from which they've come. Come on now, really sing it. invite you to become a worker together with us in this soul-saving ministry. God has graciously permitted us to send the gospel out to nearly a worldwide audience, and we thank him for it. We're celebrating our 27th anniversary month, completing 27 years of gospel work over the radio, how gracious God has been to us in sustaining us and keeping the open door And we've tried to be faithful in sending out the Word of God, the eternal Word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, life-giving, and the entrance of which giveth light to those souls that are in darkness. I know that there are many of you listening in regularly. We have not had a part in this work. We'd love to hear from you this week. Just address your letter to The Old Fashioned Revival Hour, 700 Locust Street, Pasadena, California, 
to the radio audience the names of those who are in charge of our music here. I, for one, deeply appreciate what God has done for us in raising up these consecrated helpers in the music department of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. Mr. Leland Green is the leader of the chorus choir, Mr. Rudy Atwood at the piano, Mr. George Broadbent at the organ, and then the quartet Mr. Lundberg, Mr. Coleman, Mr. Brown, and Mr. Jaisley. We're certainly thankful to have these consecrated men and women with us. Now, the chorus choir is going to sing in a moment the love of God, and it'll be a mixed quartet of singing a portion of this song. Rachel Lattimore, Viola Croker, and Ray Dahl and Lee Forrest. Oh, 
And now, Mrs. Fuller, with the letters. Go right ahead, hon. Greetings, friends. From Canada. Dear Dr. Fuller, no doubt you hear from many pastors in your radio letters. I should like, as a pastor, to say just one thing. Some of us have no pastor. Our schedules do not allow us to hear other men preach. We rarely attend a service in which we do not have the major role. So for us, the old-fashioned revival hour is our church service, and you are our pastor. I like to think of your program that way as I listen each Sunday morning. Dear friends, we were visiting some of the boys in a prison last Sunday, and at four o'clock, one of the young fellows came into the visitor's room and said, Excuse me, but would this bother you if I turn on this radio? And one of the boys said no, and to my delight, he turned on the old-fashioned revival hour. They said they listened every Sunday, and I am praying that some of them may be reached for Christ. From South Wales comes a good letter, though brief. Dear Brother Fuller, I am a young man, 27 years of age, and I work in the mines here in Wales. We all look forward to your service Thursday evenings, and since listening, I have been converted. Thank you, and God bless you. From Tompkins Cove, New York, dear Mr. Fuller, it has been over six years since I was converted as I sat by my radio and listened to your preaching, and these have been the happiest years of my life. I am the only one saved in my family, and I ask you to pray with me for my father and mother. A chaplain in an army camp in Alabama writes a good letter. He says, in part, dear Dr. Fuller, from my many contacts in this camp, I can say that there are many men here who listen to you every opportunity they have, and they receive a wonderful blessing. A group gathers with me every Sunday, and it is just what the men need. It is like a bit of home and a great steadying force to these young men far from home. Dear Mr. Fuller, we are a middle-aged couple on a farm in Kansas. Our youngest son is over in Korea fighting and we are pretty lonesome. We lost a son in the last war. It seems to us that the greatest comfort that we have is the old-fashioned revival hour, which we can always count on, no matter how stormy the weather may be. We look forward to it, and when we hear it, we feel the blessing of God on us, and our faith is renewed. The lovely songs and your messages from God's book just go to our hearts, and it seems that God is right here with us in our little farm home. Dear Dr. Fuller, life is so hard for many of us, and we have deep trials and heartaches, though our trials are not all the same. Many times God has used your text or portions of your sermon to lift me out of my suffering and despair, just as if you were preaching especially for my comfort and help. A few Sundays ago when they sang... God leads his dear children along. I sat by the radio and I thought, Dr. Fuller just doesn't know what a blessing that is to me or how I needed it today. And it must be just as great a blessing to many others. God has his ways of meeting our needs and he does use the old-fashioned revival hour for that purpose. That is all I shall have time for today, friends.
number 76. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. May we all sing and sing in the Spirit and remain standing for prayer. close our eyes and look up by faith under the throne of grace. Our gracious heavenly Father seated there above all powers and mights and principalities in the eternal heaven with the Lord Jesus at thy right hand we come as thy ambassadors today here upon this sin-cursed earth now in spiritual darkness with wars and rumors of wars men's hearts fading with fear for the things that are about to come upon the earth, we thank thee that we can come apart a while and look unto thee, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we pray that we may run with patience the race that is set before us, occupying till Jesus comes, redeeming the time, buying up every opportunity to tell men and women everywhere that thou dost love them, that thou art not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that Christ, thy beloved Son, is the way, the only way, the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto thee except through thy Son. Oh, may we make the gospel simple, may the Holy Spirit empower the message today as never before, and may thousands be brought to a saving knowledge of Christ, for we ask it in his blessed name. Amen. Savior will go with me. It matters not how dark and rough my way. With tender love he circles all my journey. I cannot get beyond his loving sway. Beyond the circle of his love, I cannot get beyond the circle of his love. His presence goes before me, and his love light shineth for me. So I cannot get beyond him.
to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled, Christ Our Peace. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 13, as we rejoin the broadcast. Blessed the thought 
that my soul by him bought shall be his in the glory on high, where with gladness and song I'll be one of the Bibles, please, and turn to the second chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the thirteenth verse. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, were made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. Christ our peace. The Apostle Peter, in one of his epistles, penned these words, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. And my earnest desire is that you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, or tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. As we peer into God's looking glass, the Bible, especially in Ephesians 2:13, we find a marked contrast between our former condition, unbelievers, sinners by nature, and by choice and our present condition as believers in Christ Jesus. In verse 12, for example, the Holy Spirit portrays the sad condition of those who are without Christ, that at times ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in the world. And then in verses 13 to 22, the Holy Spirit portrays the happy condition of those who are in Christ Jesus. And the basis upon which this great change has taken place is the atoning substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus on Calvary's cross. In chapter 1, for example, we find God's purposes in redemption outlined before the foundation of the world. In chapters 2, 1 to 12, we see the desperate need of redemption and regeneration, for the natural man is dead, spiritually separated and alienated from God, and he needs above everything else life, eternal life. He needs to be quickened, made alive through the new birth. And thus in chapters 2, 13 to 22, the great plan of redemption, regeneration, is given. And in those verses there, 13 to 22, 14 precious details of this, God's plan of redemption, these details are given. I'd like to have you read these verses, 13 to 22 of the second chapter of Ephesians, over and over, and know what the Word of God teaches for yourself. But beginning with verse 12, we note these words, at that time, that is, in our unsaved condition, dead in trespasses and sins, and walking according to the course of this age, children of disobedience, and by nature children of wrath, we were without Christ having no hope without God, the desperate condition of every man outside of Jesus Christ. 
Then notice verse 13, But now, that is, at this very moment, ye are made nigh, created nigh by the new birth, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You, my sinning friend outside of Christ, God says that you are afar off, traveling the broad road which leads to eternal destruction or separation from Him. And every moment you are on this broad road, your sinful heart, deceitful heart, desperately wicked heart, is directing your wayward feet farther and farther away from God. And I say to you that unless you repent, becoming reconciled to God through Christ, you will be separated from God throughout all the everlasting ages to come. However, the Lord Jesus has once suffered for our sins, the just shedding His blood for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. By the blood of Christ we have now, at this very moment, salvation. For when I see the blood, God's Word says, I will pass over you. And when he seeth the blood, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the death-destroying angel to come in unto your house to smite you. That's God's Word. By the blood of Christ we have forgiveness of sins, according to Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Also we have redemption, for in 1 Peter 1.18, ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, the sinless Son of God dying in your place instead. And in Christ we also have justification, that is, God by a court decree from heaven, the moment that we accept Christ as our personal Savior, declares us by a court decree to be just before Him. Not only that, but we have access with boldness, being washed loose from our sins and clothed with the white robes of Christ's eternal righteousness, all by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. I've been preaching for 34 and a half years, and bless your heart, every time I preach it, my old heart just boils over, bubbles over, as I think of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And so in verse 13, we who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, not made nigh by our own works of self-righteousness, which are as filthy rags, not made nigh by our own deeds of charity, wonderful and commendable and that wins the applause of the world, wonderful that they are, not made nigh by the deeds of charity, though I give my goods to be stowed upon the poor and my body to be burned and have not love or Christ, it profiteth me nothing. And we're only made nigh by the shed blood, the atoning blood of Christ shed on Calvary's cross for the remission of sin. I trust that those words will be driven home. Not only made nigh, but this is what I want to speak upon a little more at length, but at peace with God. For He, Christ Himself, is our peace. For that is because, showing how we are made nigh, because He, Christ, is our peace, we are made nigh. Now the heads of present-day governments, especially the Western bloc of nations, long for peace. Will you listen for just a moment very carefully? And these heads of government are working for peace. And the great hope is that there will be lasting peace and that the nations will cease from war. 
But listen, what men, heads of our government, fail to realize is this. As long as the heart of unregenerated man is uncleansed, afar off, without Christ, without God, and desperately wicked, that all plans for outward peace, cessation from wars between nations, will never, never occur. You're dealing with fallen humanity. Man is sinful and vile and afar off from God. And not until the heart is changed will there be cessation of war. Just put it down as a fundamental tenet of truth. Listen to what God's Word clearly sets forth regarding the wicked, the unregenerated man. Isaiah 57:20. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose water cast up mire and dirt, constantly casting up mire and dirt. There is no Peace to the wicked, saith my God. How can you have peace, outward peace, when the heart has not been cleansed and changed and made anew by the blood of Jesus Christ? Again in Isaiah 59, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquities, and your lips have spoken lies, and your tongues have a muttered perverseness. The way of peace they know not. They have made themselves crooked paths. Again in Jeremiah 2.22, Thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. And then those iniquities are set forth in Romans 1.29. Lesson, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without natural affection, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgments of God, they that commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's God's cross-section of the human heart that has not been born again. And how can there ever be outward peace when the heart of man is in such a sinful condition? And the greatest need of man in 1952 is not outward peace, first of all, but to be made nigh by the cleansing blood of Christ, realizing the need of peace with God. Then outward peace will come, and not until then. Do you agree with me? That's absolutely God's truth and God's Word. And all of the plans passed by Congress or the Parliament of Great Britain for peace will be of no avail until, first of all, the human heart has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Peace with God is possible, for Christ is our peace. And the moment that one accepts Him, that moment He becomes a new creation, redeemed by the precious blood, justified by faith, He has peace with God. To as many as receive Him, that is Christ, to those that receive Him, God gives the authority or power 
to become the sons of God, reconciled to Him on the basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Now listen. He is our peace. Verse 14. And then dropping down to the 17th verse without taking time to go through those other two very important verses. Notice, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which are nigh. And the great purpose of the death of Christ was to bring peace between sinning man and the holy, eternal God. God cannot countenance sin. God cannot look upon sin. He hates sin, but He loves the sinner. And Job, back in the dawn of human history, said, Oh, that I would find a goal between, between me and God, one that could put His hand upon the shoulder of the sinless God of eternity and upon the shoulder of sinning man and be the bridge, the goal between the mediator. And the answer comes back that Christ is the one and only mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. And He is our peace. Listen, the very first words He spoke after His resurrection from among the dead, His bodily resurrection. Listen, then the same day at evening, John 20:19, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, what did He say? Peace be unto you. And He preached peace through the apostles. You go down into the book of Acts and you'll find Peter there in the tenth chapter how he preached peace by Jesus Christ. He preached, he announced peace as the glad tidings. Peace to you who are far off. Peace to the nigh ones. Peace, the greatest gift of God's love and fellow men and believers. That is the greatest need of the hour, especially to you who have no peace. You need peace with God. And God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And He said, Him that cometh unto Me, I will no wise cast out. And the moment that you come through Christ and the shed blood and the cross of Christ and His substitutionary work, He accepts you and you have peace with God and a cleansed conscience and your heart will become at rest. You'll begin to sing for the joy of your salvation. And in conclusion, verse 18, for through Him, notice the Trinity, for through Him, that is Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Oh, what a beautiful verse. Because through Him we have access in the Holy Spirit to the Father. And as I am standing here behind this microphone in the Long Beach Municipal Auditorium, listen, the Holy Spirit maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered, and He knows our petitions and our prayers and through the Spirit, in the name of Christ, our prayers are taken up to the throne, to the ear of the righteous God. And He hears in the name of Christ, and the answer is on the way. And through Him, we have a new and living way through the rent veil. Peace! Peace. Is your heart in constant turmoil? Is there no rest? 
all the certain pleasures of this world, but they last but for a moment? Do you want that eternal peace and rest and come to a place, come unto me all it labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest? And like Christ, that night that he went across the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, he was in a little boat, and the great tempestuous waves came and the wind was blowing, and they were almost about to perish. And Peter, I believe it was, cried out, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Christ arose in the boat and he spoke peace. And he said, Peace. And he rebuked the waves and there was a great calm and the disciples were safe. And that's what he needs to do to your heart, friend outside of Christ. I'm going to ask the radio audience to pray with me. And you here in the auditorium that are on praying grounds, pray now that those that are under condemnation, like the troubled sea casting up mire and dirt, there is no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord, will come right now and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. Will you pray? Let's bow our heads. Out in the radio audience, bow your heads, please. Pray with us. There is no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord. No peace to the wicked. Unless your heart has been cleansed by the precious blood of Christ, you are dead in trespasses and sin, walking according to the course of this age, energized by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You are lost without hope, without God, without Christ. But God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And friend of mine, wherever you may be, driving along in your car, you may be in your home with your family, gather them together, drop to your knees and accept Christ as your personal Savior. You may be up on a hospital bed. Give your heart to him today and say, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me for Christ's sake. God bless you wherever you're making the decision today. God bless you. We'll pray for you. And while our heads are bowed in this splendid visible audience here in Long Beach today, how many will quickly put their hands up and say, Brother Fuller, pray for me. I need Christ as my personal Savior and like to be remembered in a word of prayer. Will you just shoot your hand right up and say, Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you two sailor boys here. Anyone else? God bless you over here on my right. Another one over there. God bless you. We're going to close in just a few moments and listen to the chorus choir sing the closing invitation number. Let's continue in prayer. No one stirring, please.